Who would you invite for coffee if you could ask anyone in the world? On today's episode, I invite you to join me for coffee. On today's episode, I offer 50 things that I've learned to nurture the nurturer in honor of my 50th birthday this upcoming week. If we haven't met already, welcome to the Homeschool Mama Self-Care Podcast. I'm Teresa Wiedrich, the Certified Life Coach and Homeschool Mentor, found at www.capturingthecharmedlife.com. I'm here to help you shed what's not working so you can show up in your homeschool and life on purpose. So who would you ask for coffee if you could ask anyone in the world? Here's who would be on my list. I'd invite Edith Eager. Edith was a 16-year-old ballet dancer when she was sentenced with her family to Auschwitz. She's the author of 12 Lessons to Save Your Life. In her book, The Choice, she says that in the end, it's not what happens to us that matters most. It's what we choose to do with it. We all face suffering, sadness, loss, despair, fear, anxiety, and failure. But we also have a choice to give in and give up in the face of trauma or difficulties or to live every moment as a gift. Oh yeah, I would invite Edith Eager to join me for coffee. If I could invite Nelson Mandela for coffee, I would love to, and I would ask him this one question. How even did you not succumb to resentment? Then I'd want to have a conversation with Henry David Thoreau, the author behind the quote, the very first quote I ever, ever memorized. And it was this, most men lead lives of quiet desperation. I'd like to know from him what he thinks I should take as advice from his year being on his own in a hand-built cabin. I'm presently listening to one of his books on audio. And four quotes stand out. One of them that you've heard me share. He says, it's not what you look at that matters, it's what you see. He says, the world is but a canvas to our imagination. Things do not change, we change. And the quote that I have said many times, go confidently in the direction of your dreams, live the life you have imagined. I'd love to have a conversation with Trevor Noah I'd ask him how has his humor helped make sense of his hard stories. I'd love to ask Diana Nyad, the American distance swimmer and journalist who in 2013 became the first person to complete a swim from Cuba to Florida without the protection of a shark cage. I'd love to ask her, can you share some of that internal drive that compels you to follow your internal mission no matter what, with great courage. I'd love to have a conversation with C.S. Lewis. I'd ask him, tell me the story of how you learned that Aslan the Great Lion isn't safe. As Mr. Beaver declared, safe? Said Mr. Beaver, who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. He's the king, I tell you. And I'd love to sit down with Viktor Frankl, also an Austrian psychiatrist and Holocaust survivor. 
I love to say to him, you, Mr. Frankel, saved my life. When I attended the religion class in a Catholic school in grade 11, we were required to read Man's Search for Meaning. And in this book, Victor Frankel shares his experience of what it was like to overcome the internal challenges of living in the concentration camp. He said, everything can be taken from a man, but one thing, the last of human freedoms, to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances, to choose one's own way. When we're no longer able to change a situation, we are challenged to change ourselves. And I would love to have Maya Angelou for coffee. I don't need to ask questions. I just want to sit beside her and learn from her life. I just listen to her stories. One of her quotes is at the top of my Homeschool Mama support group Patreon group. It's this. She says, I've learned that people will forget what you said. People will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. No truer words. I'd love to have coffee with you. I bet you knew I was going to say that. I invite you to have coffee with me. Every Friday in the Homeschool Mom Room at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, I invite you to join me. I'd love to learn from your life, too. Over the last few weeks, every morning, I'm grabbing my journal, cup of coffee, and I'm sitting in the corner of my great room, noticing the sun coming up (laughs) very late, probably around 7.38 something. And I'm just sitting there writing about the things I've learned in 50 years. Do you know, they say that the very first memory you have in your life will set a precedent for the theme of the rest of your life. So what would you say that memory is for you? Mine was explosive. I was around three, and how I remember the story was something like this. Being the firstborn, I don't recall having a sibling at the time, though I must have, and I recall being told by my mom to go check my dad. My dad was working in the well. I recall trying to climb down the well and my dad yelling at me not to come down, go up. And that's all I recall. I remember having the story filled in afterward, being told there was an explosion, that my dad was seriously burned, that the three of us, my mom, my dad, and me, jumped into the truck to take him to the hospital. My first memory was explosive. Interesting precedence for the upcoming childhood. But fast forward 20-some years on the refrigerator of my two-bedroom 1980s apartment, I attached a magnetized quote to my fridge. It said, just wait and see, the best is yet to be. Over the course of my 50 years, I've learned that those who brought you into the world don't always know how to grow you up. That choosing growth 
always means yielding to acceptance, being present no matter how challenging or painful or difficult it is to stay with your present emotion. I've learned that the sun still shines the next day, even after a hard, hard day. A hard, hard day. A day when you might have had a fight with your partner. A day after you yelled at the kids. After someone disappointed you on a scale that would be counted as one of your hardest days. The sun still shines. It still rises after you've buried someone. After you've been given a diagnosis for terminal illness. It still comes up. The sun comes up. And it is a sign of hope. I've learned that going outside to be in the crisp morning air, to lay outside in late August, to watch Perseids shooting stars, or feeding and brushing my dog or the goats helps ground me. I've learned that a hot mug of something that warms my palms is a nurturing morning start no matter what the season. I've learned that yoga and light stretching moves energy from one area of my body to another, so I feel comfortable in this physical form of me. And I've learned that dreaming big dreams, like traveling the world and building a homestead from raw land, or building a garden from a bedrock of granite, isn't out of reach. I've learned that bucket lists can be achieved before the age of 50, and life then therefore calls me to something bigger, more inviting and expansive than just a bucket list. I've learned that mothering children isn't following a formula. It's loving them as they are, listening to their hearts, inviting their deepest parts to be heard, yet trusting our mother's intuition that sometimes they need a firm approach to nurture them in directions that might not feel or look familiar to them, I've learned that our most deeply imprinting mothering days happen years before they leave our home, maybe by 8 or 11. They have clarified their visions of the world and those puzzle pieces continue to get fit into their bigger picture for a long time later, much later than launching at 18. But that a child's desire to be loved and guided and nurtured extends decades beyond 18. And whether that child understands that or not, at any age in particular, her soul wants it that love and guidance and nurturing. A child always wants the love of her mother and father, no matter what circumstances she came from. Yet the trust that lays the foundation for that desire and invitation for love can be severed even in these relationships, and you can healthfully live beyond them learning to accept the cards you've been dealt in childhood, working through each moment of severed trust or loss, easing into acceptance and forgiveness, accepting that not everyone is equipped to give us what we need, not even those that birthed us or raised us. But we can find 
build and maintain nurturing mothers throughout our lives, in our friends, our sisters, our cousins, our daughters, our peers. On a lighter note, I've learned that one coffee is required, two coffees for the dark winter season, but three coffees is always too much in my body. I've learned that soaking the dishes makes washing them easier, that a dishwasher is ideal unless you have hard mineralized water as we do. Washing can be meditative, but many hands make light work. I've learned that housework is self-care. A consistent routine induces feelings of order. But trying to keep everything presentable for a house and home impromptu photo shoot feeds anxiety and frustration. I've learned that kids who learn to do regular chores when they are young assume they're participants in their family lives, that they know how to find their things, and when they're older, they know how to take care of their things, and that a little bit of work helps them enjoy their playtime more. And I've learned that getting out of the house as a homeschool family before lunch (laughs) Well, just don't book that, because getting out of the house before that time just won't happen. I've learned that the only conspiracy theory I genuinely aspire to is that the hot dog bun manufacturers and the hot dog manufacturers either have an affiliate program to encourage the purchase of either or, or that, in the words of my husband, why do we even buy hot dogs? I've learned that heavy chemicals are not required for house cleaning, despite 1980s childhood of that bald, muscular guy showing me how to wash the floor. You can use essential oils, and they're amazing to smell as you are cleaning, and they will please your senses all day long. I've learned that peanut butter on utensils aren't meant to be washed by me, but rather they shall sit in the sink for days until someone claims them. I've learned that babies will fall asleep as you hold them swaddled against you. Maybe you're vacuuming, maybe you're in a loud space, but they'll sleep until you sit down to rest. I've learned that you can identify a homeschool mom in the forest because she'll use phrases with abandon like these, think outside the box, Lifelong learning, raising critical thinkers, unschool, de-school, Charlotte Mason, Maria Montessori, classical conversations, socialization, consent-based learning, home education, and the list goes on. You can identify a homeschool mom when she says the words, life skills are just as important as anything that comes from a curriculum. You can ask any mom with school-aged kids on a playground in the weekday, how many years have you been homeschooling? Because she's probably homeschooling. You can identify a homeschool mom when she says she doesn't know what it's like to line up at Disneyland because she doesn't book holidays when other people do. You'll know you're a homeschool mom when you're kind of okay with your kids being called weird because you don't actually want them to be representative minions of the culture. Deep down, you also know that it doesn't mean you should send them to forest school in their pajamas with gaping holes either. P.S. Totally have done that. This is why you can identify a homeschool mom in the forest, because she's probably leading a homeschool class at forest school. I've also learned that coffee tastes better when freshly ground. 
And I've learned that when you're having coffee with others, people don't need you to agree on everything they believe. They just want to be seen and heard and acknowledged as valuable in their perspectives. Because shaming others' perspectives won't change their perspectives, but it will teach them to become voiceless around you. One of the most human, kind, inviting things we can do for another human being is lead the way in being authentic and vulnerable before them. So they can learn to become authentic and vulnerable too. Because where authenticity and vulnerability reside, that is where creativity, leadership, and innovation resides. And where authenticity and vulnerability lives is where energy and joy and growth and power live. This life has required me to own who I am, to let go of who I'm not, to lean into what I can influence, me, and let go of controlling anything else (laughs) except that this one remarkable, sweet, complicated, challenging, sometimes disappointingly, dizzyingly, confusing, and even sometimes excruciatingly painful life isn't mine to control, or even sometimes to understand but it is here for me to co-create, connect, and commune. Recently, I was asked how I learned that. Well, there have been many iterations of lessons I've been taught along the way, but it all began in the passport office. If I haven't shared this story with you, this was one of those moments in your life where you just have this huge epiphany. And for me, it was a moment as I was reading a very conservative text from a missionary in China. The book is called The Normal Christian Life by Watchman Nee. It's a book about the book of Romans in the Bible. I'm sitting in the waiting room, anticipating being called to get my passport signed. And whatever I read spoke to my soul. In a flash, I realized that God saw me and heard me in my most complete state. Every last bit of me was seen and heard. Every unhealed part every remarkable and unique part. And I experienced a moment of grace unlike anything I'd ever had before. I felt as though grace was declared over me, goodness declared on me. And it really was this one moment in a passport office that allowed me to step on a path to freedom. Freedom from engaging myself or others with expectations. Freedom from engaging myself or others with expectations of rightness or othering. And I've learned that when I was accepted, I could accept others. I've learned over my homeschool years that the first voice I want to hear in the morning is my own. So sitting on a yoga mat with intention to only breathe and listen 
is the most helpful first step. I've learned that having a predictable daily routine makes me feel productive and consistent, even if life throws it off kilter at times, which it will. What I know for sure is that when you make it through infernos of your life, you come out more refined. Who you are is more you. You're less concerned with what other people think and more concerned whether how you're engaging or speaking or thinking is aligned with your true self and who you're called to be right now. When you make it through infernos, you don't come out the other side in regret. You can see how it developed who you are today, how it actually made things more true and right for you. It even gave you an opportunity to live more purposefully. You might wonder why, why was this allowed? But you will never have that answer. That isn't in your job description. Despite having much reason to ask why before I was even 21, why did I have that tumor that made me wonder if I had cancer for a month? Why did I have that car accident that immobilized me for a few months and continues to be an issue for me? Why did those kids decide I was the centerpiece of their cruelty? Why did I have to do childhood without consistent connection, safety, trust, and nurturing? And there are so many other whys. I'm sure you can relate. I never asked why then, likely because I was just trying to survive. I didn't ask why until April 15, 2002. That day changed all of it for me. I had been pregnant for less than two months. I knew the day after I conceived my baby that I was pregnant. That was a planned pregnancy. I wrote in my baby journal to my baby the morning after I conceived her or him. Welcome to the world. I knew I was pregnant. So the rest of the world didn't know about this baby because we hadn't told them about this baby. Our oldest daughter wasn't yet a year old. I started spotting. Within the week, I was able to get an ultrasound. My husband, a physician, was concerned, but we were reassured when we saw the baby's heart beating. That was sweet relief. Before I left the hospital, I bought a baby, a lacy baby cap or bonnet for my baby. A moment of celebration. My baby is alive. My baby is healthy. But I kept cramping and bleeding. And by Sunday, my bleeding had increased and my husband said to me, Teresa, this isn't good. You should prepare that this isn't going to continue. This pregnancy won't continue. I was heartbroken, but I remember laying on the sofa downstairs, looking out at the window and thinking, yeah, but why would God do that? There would be no good reason for that. I love my babies. I've always wanted to be a mother. This isn't going to happen. I'm going to carry this baby and I'll deliver that baby November 19th. Or at least that was my due date, November 19th of the same year. 
Monday morning, I asked my husband to come home from his day because I was having severe cramping. I lay in the bathtub with a baby name book, trying to decide a meaningful name. What would I name this baby? How would I remember this baby? It was excruciating all around. Pain, physical pain, emotional pain, sadness that I was anticipating what I was anticipating, hoping against hope this wouldn't happen. And when I stood up, I felt something slide down my leg. And instinctively, it was too much of a slide down my leg to not try to put my hand toward it. And when I did, I realized I'd caught my baby. A very, very tiny little baby. Fingers and toes. I could see eyes. Not longer than the last bend of my pinky. I remember crying out, Jim or something. I was very sad. My husband heard me. He had our daughter in his arms and came into the bathroom and he knew. And I placed that baby on a towel on top of the toilet and sang the song that I sang to my oldest daughter when I brought her home, the first night I brought her home. Oh, little traveler, seems we've waited for so long. Oh, little traveler, come and rest here in my arms. So much of life ahead, we will keep you safe and warm. Oh, little traveler, welcome home. If I hadn't seen her, I wouldn't have believed it. I didn't want to. There was no good reason for this. Why? It was the first time I asked why. And as you know, I didn't get an answer. But I did learn that I had to accept it. And every November 19th and April 15th, I go through those baby clothes, the things that I'd planned for that baby, and I remember. Okay, I think we need to lighten things up for a bit. Here are the things I know for sure about homeschooling. There isn't one right way to homeschool. There isn't even one right way to homeschool for one child. There isn't one right way to homeschool for the entire year. Homeschooling itself might not even be the best way for a child, or maybe it's not right for a season. And if this is you and you boldly took on homeschooling and you see this too, that maybe it's not the right thing right now, and you're really grateful that you discovered it, but now you're not sure it's the right thing for this season for whatever reason, know that the only camp that you need to cheerlead is your child's camp, not the homeschool camp, not the school's camp, but your child's camp. I've learned that almost all kids would rather sit and listen to their moms read to them while they're doing something else. Keeping their hands busy keeps their minds present. I know that teaching kids character training from a book is about as effective as teaching a kid grammar from a book. If they don't have a context to learn something, aka character training is learned best in relationships, and grammar is learned best by reading, writing, and other forms of communication, well, if they don't have a context to learn something, it just is like a waste of time. I know for sure that there is not one right routine that will stand the test of time because you're going to get bored of it. 
you're going to get bored of all of the routines eventually. I know it's profoundly useful to learn your child's or teen's Enneagram type, and yours, by the way, so you can begin to understand their core motivations. Now, FYI, your kid's Enneagram might shift as they grow, but coming from a perspective where you see themselves as they see themselves helps you put them in context. They are not you. They are them. They will do what they do because it's who they are and who they're meant to be when they arrived on this earth. They are not here to be different than you either or reflect you or reflect your husband or partner or any other parent or guardian. They are here to live their story uniquely as themselves. When you know that more clearly, you'll be less offended or hurt or disappointed by their choices or their words. P.S. I only know this because I still have to learn this. Children are unique catalysts for our growth. They were placed in our lives, not random acts of the universe, but specifically placed in our lives to love and to learn from. They are indeed reflections of our souls, though, because we project so, so, so much onto them until we learn not to. And therein lies our growth catalyst. And a special side note to my beautiful four kids who have and continue to be catalysts for my growth. Every single one of you were placed on the earth for a unique reason, a reason that is not necessarily reflected in what you do, though I'm proud of what each of you do, but rather for whatever is calling you forward to be the person you were meant to be, to follow that fearlessly without searching for others' validation, other than the small, still, sweet, gentle voice of the one who gave you the calling. Sit and be with that voice, that one sweet, gentle voice more than you do your due. Watch and learn how the unhealed parts arise in you to attempt to claim territory of your souls, claiming territory for shame, for fear, for anger, and for resentment. Every single one of us has to attend to our unhealed parts so we don't live out our days in shame, fear, anger, and resentment. And though I believe these unhealed parts of us will probably be along for our life ride, we can teach them to sit quietly in the back seat, make sure they're buckled and comfortable before we drive, listen to their occasional chiding, and reassure them when necessary, but we won't let them take the wheel of our life journey. I have so, so, so much more to share with my children, and gratefully, that's why I get to walk alongside them for another 20 to 40 years in real time. No more beautiful days were given to me on the calendar than the days you were born, and also the morning after the first night you slept through the night. (laughs) I speak to you now, homeschool mom. If I've had the privilege to walk alongside you, and I've been a catalyst for your growth, You have a very special place in my story, too. We were not randomly placed in each other's lives. More than anything, I want to teach you to nurture the nurturer. Every single one of you needs to hear this. You have a unique reason to be on this planet, and it's not necessarily reflected in what you do, though I'm proud of what each of you do. 
but rather for whatever is calling you forward to be the person you were meant to be, to follow that fearlessly without searching for others' validation, other than the small, sweet, gentle voice of the one who drew you to this calling. Sit and be with that one sweet, gentle voice more than you try to do your due. Watch and learn how the unhealed parts arise in you instead of allowing shame and fear and anger and resentment to claim your soul. Every single one of us has to attend to our unhealed parts so we don't live out our days in shame, fear, anger, and resentment. And though I believe these things will be along for our life ride, we can teach them to sit quietly in the back seat. Make sure they're buckled and comfortable before we drive. Listen to their occasional chiding and reassure them when necessary, but we won't let them take the wheel of our life journey. We'll say, hey, here's the fish crackers and the iPad. I love you. I love you. I see why you're concerned, but the healed, strong, courageous parts of us are driving this minivan. trying to surprise and delight our homeschool kids. Well, I want to surprise and delight you. I'm curious if you're a Black Friday shopper or if you stay away from the mall on that day. I can tell you I have zero interest in shopping and searching for deals because I really do think twice and six times about what I purchase. Call me boring, but I've been on this planet long enough to realize that more stuff is never the answer when you've already got too much stuff to organize and tidy. However, sometimes there are certain purchases that really can change your life. I have made significant purchases toward personal growth through books and journals and coaching and therapy and trips away and occasional bath salts and accoutrement, which really do help me feel alive and present and happy and increasingly peaceful Those purchases don't have to tidy and collect dust in my storage room. So today on the shoppingest shopping week of the entire year, I want to offer you something that might shift and shape and change your life. If you've already worked with me in various coaching capacities, I want to remind you that you have a very special offer. If you introduce me to a friend and how you've been benefited by coaching, and if that person registers and purchases a coaching program, whether a group or one-on-one coaching program with me before December 13th, then I will e-transfer you half of that purchase on the following first of the month. That is my Christmas gift to you. If you've coached with me previously, I hope that it helps with your holiday season. But guess what else I'm bringing to you? The only time you'll see this discount all year. I'm going to offer 40% discount to my upcoming group coaching programs about building boundaries for homeschool moms, the self-compassion for homeschool mom group coaching program, and also the de-school your homeschool group coaching program. That's 40% discount. You can check out these group coaching programs that begin in the new year. If you've ever wanted to work with me, you won't see the price discounted any time of the year, except this one. And this also is an offer available until Saturday, December 13th of this year. I know from experience how powerfully life-changing life coaching can be. 
If you haven't worked with me previously or don't know the benefits of coaching, then I encourage you to check what other homeschool moms are saying. There are many homeschool moms that have shared their thoughts about working with me. You can find that on the very top left corner of my website, capturingthecharmedlife.com. But you ask, what's the benefit to boundary building, to building self-compassion strategies into my homeschool, or de-schooling my homeschool? (laughs) Okay, no, you don't. But I think maybe you wonder. Well, obviously, they have varying benefits depending on the focus. And I'll share more details in upcoming episodes, but overall, they offer you a holistic approach to your homeschool mom life. They help you address not only educational elements of your homeschool, but also your personal growth and well-being. And I know you know what I know. Your personal growth and your well-being directly affects your kids. And when you tackle that directly, you feel more confident, more at ease, more self-forgiving, gracious with yourself, and also you have a plan to address your challenges. If you join me for boundary building group coaching, then you'll learn to establish boundaries to help manage your time, relationships, your relationship to yourself, and also your responsibilities more effectively reducing your overwhelm. If you choose to join me in the D-School Your Homeschool group coaching program, you can continue to transition from traditional school mindsets to a more flexible homeschool approach that can help ease stress and create a more interesting learning environment. If you choose to join me for the self-compassion group coaching program, you can learn to incorporate self-compassion strategies to manage your stress, to help you avoid burnout and foster a positive mindset. And when you join a group coaching program, you get encouragement and advice from peers, sharing in each other's challenges and successes, and you get to feel like you're part of a supportive homeschool mom group that helps keep you gently accountable and moving toward progress. If one of these group coaching programs sound like something you should be doing, then you can use the coupon code, which is the most useful purchase on Black Friday at checkout. Naturally, this is in my opinion. You can also access a 40% discount on all the empowering and clarifying self-coaching workbooks that I have created and designed just for you on all the topics that I speak to. You can learn more about that over on my Etsy store, Homeschool Mama Self-Care. I certainly hope that these offerings can bring new life to you in your homeschool and in your homeschool mom life. No, you don't get to choose the deck of cards given to you at birth, but you can choose how you play them. The broken glass shards of our lives can be lifted carefully in place like pieces in a kaleidoscope that create an even more beautiful design that reflect your truest parts so you can be more authentic than you could ever be without first being broken. I want to remind you of the words magnetized to my refrigerator when I was just 20-something in my two-bedroom 1980s walk-up apartment. Just wait and see. The best is yet to be. And to me, I say this. Happy birthday to me. I love you, Teresa. You are an amazing representation 
of a human who refused to allow fear and anger and resentment and shame to take the wheel. You had every reason to not even know that confidence and courage and vulnerability and wholeness could be drivers of your life. But as you listen first to that one small sweet voice, when you laid under that baroque in that schoolyard, just a teenager staring up at the three twinkling stars in a terrifying dark night, and you heard that one small sweet voice answer, why should I continue? Why should I choose life? Why should I look beyond fear and anger and resentment and shame? And the stars twinkled back synchronously. And as I saw them, I heard the words from that one small, sweet voice. Because I love you. So continue to listen to the clarion call of that one small, sweet voice. I say that to my kids. And I say that to you. And I say that to me for my next 50 years. Thanks for joining me today. If this podcast has been an encouragement to you, would you share it with someone who would benefit from it? And would you consider sharing a review on Spotify or Apple? It would be like a birthday gift to me. And if you'd like to join me for coffee in the Homeschool Mama Patreon support group, you are most welcome to do so. I would love to have a conversation with you. And if you can't make it for coffee, then I'd still love to hear from you. Send me a message over on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, or my website, www.capturingthecharmlife.com. All the show notes and offerings discussed in this episode can be found over at my website too. Until next week, I want for you and your homeschool kids to turn your homeschool challenges into your homeschool charms. You got this, girlfriend.